You're listening to the very first episode of On a Tangent, a podcast hosted by Ryerson's Faculty of Science. I'm your host, Sarah McIntyre. On today's show, we have a very special guest. Meet Dr. Anthony Bonato, a professor in the Department of Mathematics at Ryerson. He is a gay man, and his research is on complex networks and graph theory. He is with me virtually today to talk about his experience as an openly gay mathematician. He is one of the co-chairs for the LGBTQ plus Math Day, hosted by the Fields Institute, taking place on November 18th. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today, uh, Dr. Bonato. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. So you are the co-chair of the LGBTQ plus math day, which is taking place on November 18th. Tell us a bit about it. So the event started talking with uh, one of my colleagues here at Ryerson, Michelle Delcourt, and we were talking about an event, talking about equity, diversity, inclusion events across campus and more generally in the community. And I realized there'd never been an event quite like this in Canada. Uh, there've been a few events like this uh, elsewhere. So one in uh, the UK, I believe, and one in the US. And actually I gave a talk uh, last fall at something called LGBTQ plus STEM, which is a couple day conference. And I was one of the, the mass speakers there. But I realized there was nothing like this for, for mathematicians uh, speaking to members of the LGBTQ plus community. So uh, Michelle started talking and we thought of the idea. And then I pulled in Lisa Jeffrey, who's a friend of mine. She's a professor at University of Toronto. And we applied for Fields Institute funding and funding from the Faculty of Science. And we got it. And then I guess the rest is history. Awesome. So this event is aimed at mathematicians specifically? I would say yes, although we definitely would encourage anyone uh, who's interested in math, even if you're not a mathematician, like you're a math student, or you're someone in science or engineering. And of course, we know mathematics is used in a variety of disciplines. Um, or even if you're just you're not in STEM at all, and you're just curious and you're interested in the event, uh, we encourage you to come. It's a free registration, and uh, like I said, there are talks and a panel. So yeah, you can, you can engage in it for sure. So why is an event like this important for mathematicians in the LGBTQ community and their allies and other people as well? <laughs> I think the other people as well is maybe the most important thing. One of the, one of the important things. Uh, we really want to be inclusive. I mean, it is an event which is going to showcase LGBTQ plus mathematicians, both faculty uh, and, and students and postdocs. Um, but we want to appeal to everybody. And even if you're, you're an ally and you want to come along and learn more about the community, you can do that. And as to why, you know, why it's important, representation here is really critical. Uh, I think back to my own experiences when I was a, a graduate student all the way through to becoming a, a tenure track professor to the present day. I didn't really have great role models. I didn't really have any role models for most of my career. So having people who you know are also identify as LGBTQ plus that you can uh, interact with, talk with, network with, I think that has can have a potentially really profound impact on people. Just to you know lessen the sense of isolation a lot of people do feel, especially in the mathematical sciences. Great. So uh, this event is, I guess, the first of its kind. What makes it so unique? Well, we've never done anything quite like this in Canada. Uh, like I mentioned, there have been events like this uh, in the UK. Um, so there was something called LGBT, 
T plus seminar uh, run in the UK. And there is an event LG and TBQ run in the US. Uh, but, and those were, you know, the first one was more STEM. The second one is aimed at mathematicians. There's the LGBTQ plus STEM conference now, which seems to be an annual event. It happened uh, last year where I spoke. And then again, this, this October, uh, but there really are not many events that are of this nature. Um, the Canadian Mass Society ran uh, a lunch, uh, sort of uh, inviting people who are LGBTQ plus and uh, their allies to come and have a chat. And it was a great discussion. Um, but there haven't been really like conferences or workshops like this in Canada. I think there are more, uh, you'll hear more about them in the future, in the very near future. Of course, the pandemic has created a little bit of a wrinkle, maybe not mm. so much a little, a big wrinkle in all this. <laughs> But actually, I'll say one thing about that, just segueing with the pandemic, um, you know, we, we were originally going to be in July and we moved to November. We're going to be in person in July, but potentially we have a much greater reach now. So uh, as of about last week, we have over 200 registered participants. So I'm super excited about that and we probably will get more. I mean, just to contrast that, we had about, you know, maybe 40 uh, in person. Oh, wow. People, people wow. had to actually, you know, come to Toronto, come to Fields Institute and so on. And now they can just uh, join in by Zoom. That's amazing. Um, so why do you think it has only taken until now for an event like this to happen? You know, now is the point of power, right? <laughs> it's the, it's, it just takes people to do it. And, uh, you know, there could be some sort of reason as to timing, like fate or whatever else. But it took uh, just, you know, uh, articulating the idea uh, to other people, my friends, and uh, thinking about it, planning it, applying for it, and just doing it. Um, you know, I, I think definitely the time is ripe to do this. I mean, it is 2020, and we have had great strides uh, with LGBTQ plus equality and rights in this country. There's still a lot more work to do, especially on the trans and non-binary fronts. But um, elsewhere in the world, things are not that way. Uh, so you know, Canada can be a bit of a shining beacon here and uh, we hope that others will like use this as a i guess a, an, a, an example what i'm really hoping is that people will attend hear about it and then be inspired themselves to do their own conferences and create their own events it just like builds momentum i guess absolutely yeah like a little spark and then it, it, it sets everything else on fire so you know we'll see what happens but definitely there has been like when i started this work uh, edi work uh, a little more intentionally in my career a couple of years back. There really were not many events, um, but since then I've spoken on a, a number of panels, uh, you know, my blog and writing on the topic has been well received and there are a number of other people in Canada and elsewhere who are doing this. And it's really important work. It is work, uh, but it, it is very important work to do. So at the event, um, what sort of topics are the speakers gonna be talking about? So we're asking people to present a snapshot of their research. Uh, and also talk if they're comfortable with a little bit of their journey and experiences as an LGBTQ plus academic. Um, with uh, the pandemic and with Zoom, what I found, I don't know what your experience is, is that um, hour-long talks are a bit long. Yeah, uh, It's a little harder for me to, to pay attention, really. I think my students probably feel the same way while I'm doing remote teaching. Um, so, you know, we've limited to half an hour. So that, that does restrict down the time that people have. But I think we're going to see a mix of things. Uh, so, for example, Emily Real, who's a professor at John Hopkins, uh, she's going to talk about her very cutting-edge research on something called infinite-dimensional category theory. 
which she's won awards for. It's really exciting, pure mathematical work. And if you look at uh, what Ron Buckmeyer from Occidental College is going to talk about, he's our opening speaker. He's going to talk about his applied mathematical research, but also filter that through his experience uh, as an openly gay black man uh, in the LGBTQ plus uh, mathematical community in the US. So we'll, we'll, we'll have lots of uh, opportunities for kind of math discussions, but also discussions about people's careers. And also, I think for me, identity is so critically important. Um, too often, LGBTQ plus people put other things in front of their the LGBTQ plus identity. Uh, you know, instead of saying like, I'm a mathematician and a gay man, I'd like people to start thinking more like, you know, in my case, I'm a gay man who's a mathematician. That, that's a critical piece of my identity. And we have to own that. Um, and so we're, we're going to see a mix of things. And I'll also just plug at the end, we have this panel, which I referenced earlier. And we have Robin Goudreau from University of Toronto and Brian Katz as a professor in the U.S. They're going to join the panel. Uh, and Imogen Co. from our Faculty of Science is going to moderate it. And we'll have an opportunity for feedback from, from people to ask questions, and, and they'll talk about their own experiences with guided questions and so on. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so speaking of, I guess, journeys, um, your own journey, are you comfortable with speaking about your own? Oh, yes, very much so, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm highly comfortable talking about it. Maybe people want me to stop talking about it. I'm like, <laughs> I've been very open. Actually, some people say I'm one of the more open mathematicians, but for me, that, that sort of plays into that narrative. You know, it's so, you know, if you feel safe to do it, it's really important to be open and talk about these things. That's how change happens. So my journey, I grew up uh, in rural Ontario, in, uh, in Niagara, and uh, felt pretty isolated, like I guess a lot of people from small towns do, uh, who are LGBTQ plus and underrepresented groups. Um, and then in university, again, I didn't really see a lot of people who, who were like me. I, I knew of one gay professor um, and just a very small collection of, of gay students and, and peers uh, and even into the professoriate. So I became a professor in um, 1998 uh, when I was out east in Mount Allison and then I went back to Can uh, to Ontario uh, to Waterloo to Wilfrid Laurier University as a, as a tenure track professor. I was open, people knew I was gay, but it, it was something that basically, it was not kind of like a don't ask, don't tell at that time, 20 years ago. I mean, 20 years ago may not seem like a long time ago, but it was very different. There was no social media. Uh, gay marriage was not legal in the country. Uh, and then I was very happy to come to Toronto. I had a long distance relationship to body problem, they call it, um, <laughs> where uh, my my now husband lived in Toronto and I was living in Waterloo. And then the job came up at, at Ryerson and I jumped at that so I could live in Toronto. I was commuting back and forth. Oh man. And yeah, it was it was doable, uh, and I had an understanding department chair and dean who allowed me to come in just a few times a week. Uh, and I know there are people with two body problems, which are much worse. Like people, I know someone who was in the Atlantic provinces who was going back and forth to Toronto. So that's, oh my God. that's a whole other level. Yeah, yeah. Although I get the Zoom now, it doesn't matter. But certainly in person, it's a challenge. Um, but you know, my experiences in Waterloo. I mean, I'll tell one brief story. So gay marriage was very much up uh, for debate at the time at the federal level and also provincial level. And I remember calling my MPP in Warloo, Kitchener Warloo at the time, and expressing my, uh, you know, support of, of gay marriage, gay and lesbian marriage. And um, I got, I, it, was, it was recording, so I just left my comment and I got a, a message back. I was away and I came home and, it, you know, I, I heard this message that said that there were a hundred calls that day to the Kitchener Warloo MP about this. 
and I was the only person voicing support. Oh my God. Yeah. So that, that really, you know, we, we live in our bubble. We have our friends and our, our colleagues and our allies, but you know, that at that time was such a big deal for me. I'm not saying that was the reason I moved to Toronto, but I've always felt Toronto was a, an extremely opening and welcoming place for people of, of all different backgrounds and experiences. That's been my experience largely. I've experienced discrimination here like I'm sure many other people have, but, um, but Toronto has been really a place where I blossomed and I think I've found my voice as a, a gay mathematician and activist. That's great. Uh, so did you find any challenges like specifically in the math community or science community? Like, is there a stigma towards gay people? I mean, as you would imagine, it, it's gotten much better. But there, there's still, there's not as much outright discrimination, although there, there still are examples of this. Uh, but um, what I find is there's this overwhelming kind of silence. Um, you know, and, and silence is is not good. Um, I think it's really, there's, a, there's an opportunity here for allies who are the majority. I heard recently there was some discussion from a staff person from NSERC who said that uh, about four to five percent of applicants, they're doing some statistics for the Canada Research Chair applicants, about four to five percent identify as LGBTQ+. So that's that's not zero, but that's low. I mean, not so we're talking like 95%, if we can count that stat, in the math community and the STEM community are not, do not identify as LGBTQ+, they didn't disclose or identify. So we're kind of, we exist in some sense at the mercy of the majority, right? I mean, this is, you know, gay marriage is something that could go away tomorrow if, you know, if politicians voted away, right? So our rights very much, our rights and freedoms are very much dependent on others as a minority. And uh, so, yeah, we, we really look to other, you know, our allies. We, we have to organize amongst ourselves, but we really look to our allies for, uh, for support and direction here. So what do you call for allies to do? What, what would be the best thing for allies to support the community? That's a fantastic question. It's a question that I, I ask myself a lot uh, because I think it's, it's not a completely answered question. I think, you know, one thing I think you can do is just say you're an ally. That, that's incredibly powerful. Uh, you know, uh, for mathematicians, maybe in their signature in their emails to put their pronouns. You know, um, you may be cisgendered, but, but doing that, it kind of reinforces the normality of doing that for people who are, um, you know, gender fluid uh, or trans. Um, you know, saying you're an ally, speaking up. You know, it's one of those things. Uh, there have been a number of examples of situations in the math community where um, great people just stayed silent on issues. Uh, there was a recent uh, sort of uh, controversy in the math community where there was a very, very open letter, uh, open discussion about diversity statements and hiring. And a very prominent mathematician, I want to get into the specifics, a very prominent mathematician said that they're a bad idea and compared it to like McCarthyism in the States of the 50s. And it created this whole cascading back and forth, you know, people who were in favor of that, that comment and people who were not. But what people forget is that we're talking about people. You know, diversity and representation, you know, I, I learned from Imogen Co, who I believe learned from Denise O'Neill Green, the statement that diversity is a, diversity is a fact, inclusion is a choice. Mm. And, Obviously, we want to hire the best people. We're looking for excellence. 
But having a more diverse representation of the people we hire at universities is so critically important. And, you know, most mathematicians kind of look, frankly, like me, right? White, <laughs> middle-aged guy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah, right. And that's that's just the reality. There's like under twenty percent of mathematicians in Canada are women, for example, right? And we we need to change that. We may need to make our profession look more like Canada, look more like the rest of the world. And um, also to be more inclusive of LGBTQ plus. So, so back to your question about what to, you know, how to be not like. Don't be quiet. You, you have a voice. Use it. Also, you know, sort of complementing that is to listen. I've had people say to me like, "Well, you know, things are better now. Everything is great." And it's like, uh, they are better. It's true, but the work is far from done, and there's so much more work to do in this space. Yeah. And even like recently on social media, I've seen a lot of people have been pushing to use pronouns in your bios for like all your accounts and stuff. And I started doing that because it's just showing that you are an ally, you show your support and it's, it's not hard. It's not hard to put your pronouns no. in your bio. Absolutely. And as I said, some cisgender people think, well, why bother? But you know, um, it, it does help you feel a little more like it helps trans and non-binary people to feel more included. So things like that, small things like that um, are so, so important, like land acknowledgements with it, you know, mm -hmm. for example, indigenous community, things like that, they, they help. Did you have any role models uh, growing up? Yeah, I have to say uh, I had none. Mm. Uh, I had mathematical role models, people in the history of math and, you know, my professors and stuff, people I looked up to. But I had no LGBTQ plus role models. And I guess I turned out okay. <laughs> you know, um, I've had a successful career, but I wonder, you know, if I had had those role models, what, how things would have been different. I, there's certainly, for me, a lot of stumbling around and, you know, even now trying to build these communities, you know, having a small part of building the community. Um, I, I didn't have any. And so I think that's incredibly important now. I, I talk to a lot of students and postdocs who, you know, ask me questions like, for example, I'm, I'm trans and should I put that in my application for my PhD? Because mm. they, they feel, I think, understandably that maybe uh, if they just apply blind and go to a department or faculty university where they're, they're not going to be supported, that it could be a, a real disaster for them. Right. But at the same time, they feel nervous. Like if I self-identify, are people going to look? look at me differently. And those kind of questions, like I don't claim to know the answer to that. I have my own opinions, but you know, being able to talk to others about those kind of things, that's a very specific question that, that can really guide someone in their early career. Having a, a larger group of people, having role models, that can be really helpful. Right. Um, so I guess I did a little bit of looking or research and I found Out Magazine publishes a list of like top influential LGBTQ plus people. And I looked through the list and like one or two at most were from STEM and they were like a CEO of a tech company or something like, <laughs> like I was, it was really push, pushing it there. But um, I know ASAP Science um, are two gay men and that's, that's a good, um, representation in the science community. Are there anyone else? There is a there is an organization in the US called Spectra. Uh, and several Spectra board members are, are speakers in the day. But I have to say math is probably behind some of the other sciences. Mm. Um, it's hard to I don't want to try and do comparisons. I've heard people say like in engineering, for example, there's not a lot 
of representation. Uh, I know like physics, I, like I was a panelist at a physics conference on EDI, and I think physics is a little ahead of the curve as maybe biology and chemistry are. But again, it, I, I have no real information about this. And mathematics really is just sort of the beginning. The conversation is the beginning. And as you say, without magazine and other representation um, of STEM, uh, LGBTQS people in STEM, there's, I don't know, in, in our culture, in North America anyway, there can be a little bit of a threat of anti-intellectualism that happens. And I, I certainly experienced that and colleagues I know have as well. And, you know, for whatever reason, you know, a musician or a sports, someone in sports who they make $70 million <laughs> or something in a contract, I mean, they're, they're put on pedestals and, you know, they're, they're, it's wonderful. It's, you know, I can't do what they do. But at the same time, I think we really need to focus on our thought leaders you know, not just in math, but in STEM, and also not just in, in STEM, but in, in the whole like, academic intellectual pursuit. I mean, there's, there's so many brilliant minds out there who are LGBTQ+, you know, working in academia, working in industry, as you mentioned, some tech CEOs. I, I think probably we need to do a better job overall in our, our society at sort of, you know, uplifting those people and, and, you know, talking about their experiences. I'll just plug the conference yeah. again. Uh, so, um, I really would love everyone to attend. Like I said, it's free. It's November 18th, which coincides with LGBT STEM Day, which is a global initiative. Uh, it starts around 1245. Our own Dean of Science, David Cram, is going to be giving opening remarks. And um, then we have our speakers I'll be talking to, and uh, we'll have a, a panel. There'll definitely be opportunities for people to ask questions and to network. Uh, so uh, just go on my website or just Google LGBT uh, uh, math plus math day. You can find the, the website quite easily and register on the fields website. It's free and easy. And uh, we hope to see everybody there. Great. And I wish you best the best of the luck at the event. And thank you so much for taking the time to share your story today. That's great. Thank you so much. <laughs>